0: Chapter Eighteen of the Golden Silence This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine G. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter Eighteen True to His Word. Sima Adina was waiting in Madame Constant's hideous sitting-room, when Victoria returned to the hotel from Janan el-Juad. To-day he had changed his grey bonnets for a white one, and all his clothing was white, embroidered with silver. It is written, he began in Arabic, as he rose to welcome the girl, that the messenger who brings good tidings shall come in white. Now thou art prepared for happiness." "'Thou also hast chosen white, "'but even in black thy presence would bring a blessing. "'O rose of the West!' "'The colour of the rose stained Victoria's cheeks, "'and see my eyes were warm as he looked at her. "'When she had given him her hand, "'he kissed his own after touching it. "'Be not alarmed, or think that I take a liberty, "'for it is but a custom of my people, "'in showing respect to man or woman.' he explained, "'Thou hast not forgotten thy promise of silence.' "'No, I spoke not a word of thee, nor of the hope thou gavest me last night,' Victoria answered. "'It is well,' he said. "'Then I will keep nothing back from thee.' They sat down, Victoria on a repulsive sofa of scarlet plush, the Arab on a chair equally offensive in design and colour. "'Into the life of thy brother-in-law there came a great trouble,' he said. "'It befell after the days when he was known by thee and thy sister in Paris. "'Do not ask what it was, for it would grieve me to refuse a request of thine. "'Shouldst thou ever hear this thing, it will not be from my lips. "'But this I will say, though I have friends among the French, "'and am loyal to their salt which I have eaten, and I think their country great,' France was cruel to Ben-Halim. Were not Allah above all, his life might have been broken, but it was written that, after a time of humiliation, a chance to win honour and glory, such as he had never known, should be put in his way. In order to take this blessing, and use it for his own profit, and that of others, it was necessary that Ben-Halim, son of a warrior of the old fighting days, when nomads of high birth were as kings in the Sahara, himself lately a captain of the spies, admired by women, envied of men. It was necessary that he should die to the world.' "'Then he is not really dead!' cried Victoria. The face of Si changed, and wore that look which already the girl had remarked in Arab when she passed among French crowds, a look as if a door had shut behind the bright open eyes, as if the soul was suddenly closed.' "'Thy brother-in-law was living, when last I heard of him.' Maidine answered slowly. "'And my sister?' "'My cousin told me last night, that Lella Saïda was in good health some months ago, when news came of her from a friend.' "'They call her Saïda," murmured the girl, half sadly, for that Saïda should tolerate such a change of name, seemed to signify some subtle alteration in her spirit.' "'but she knew that Lella meant madame in Arab society. "'It is my cousin who spoke of the lady by that name. "'As for me, it is impossible that I should know anything of her. "'Thou wishest, above all things, to see thy sister?' "'Above all things! "'For more than nine years it has been the one great wish of my life to go to her.' "'It is a long journey. "'Thou wouldst have to go far, very far.' What would it matter, if it were to the end of the world? As well try to reach the place where she is, as though it were beyond the world's end, unless thou wert guided by one who knew the way. Victoria looked the Arab full in the face. "'I have always been sure that God would leave me there, one day, soon or late,' she said. "'Thou God is my God, and Mohammed is his prophet, and thy Christ.' "'was also among his prophets. "'It is as thou sayest. "'Allah wills that thou shouldst make this journey, "'for he has sent me into thy life at the moment of thy need. "'I can take thee to thy sister's house, "'if thou wilt trust thyself to me. "'Not alone, I would not ask that. "'My cousin will take care of thee. "'She has her own reason for going on this great journey, "'a reason which, in its way, is as strong as thine.' "'for it concerns her life or death. "'She is a noble lady of my race, "'who should be a princess of Togurt, "'for her grandfather was sultan "'before the French conquered those warlike men of the desert, "'far south where Togurt lies. "'Lella M'Barka Benjelab hears the voice of the angel Ezrail in her ears, "'yet her spirit is strong, "'and she believes it is written in the book "'that she shall reach the end of her journey. "'This is the plan she and I have made.' That thou leave the hotel to day, towards evening, and drive, in a carriage which she will send, to her house, where thou wilt spend the night. Early in the morning of to morrow she can be ready to go, taking thee with her. I shall guard thee, and we shall have an escort which she and I will provide. Dost thou consent? Because if the idea pleases thee, there are many arrangements which must be made quickly and I myself will take all trouble from thy shoulders in the matter of leaving the hotel. I am known, and well thought of in Algiers, and even the landlord here, as thou hast seen, has me in consideration, because my name is not strange to him. Thou needest not fear misconstruction of thine actions by any one who is here. See, my Adina added these arguments, seeing perhaps that Victoria hesitated before answering his question thou art generous and i have no fear she said at last with a faint emphasis which he could read as he chose but since thou hast my word to be silent surely thou wilt tell me where lies the end of the journey we must take even so i cannot tell thee see maidin replied with decision which victoria felt to be unalterable it is not for lack of trust in thee o rose but for a reason which is not mine to explain "'All I can do is to pledge my honour, and the honour of a princess, to conduct thee loyally to the house of thy sister's husband. If thou goest, it must be in the dress of an Arab lady, veiled from eyes which might spy upon thee, and so thou wilt be safe under the protection of my cousin. My thanks to thee and to her. I will go,' Victoria said, after a moment's pause. She was sure that Stephen Knight and his friend would prevent her from leaving Algiers with strangers, above all in the company of Arabs, if they could know what was in her mind. But they were unjustly prejudiced, she thought. Her brother-in-law was of Arab blood, therefore she could not afford to have such prejudice, even if she were so inclined. And she must not hesitate before such a chance as Simaidin offered." The great difficulty she had experienced in learning anything about Ben-Halim made it easy for her to believe that she could reach her sister's husband only through people of his own race, who knew his secrets. She was ready to agree with Si Maeddine that his god and her god had sent him at the right moment, and she would not let that moment pass her by. Others might say that she was wildly imprudent, that she was deliberately walking into danger, but she was not afraid always she trusted to her star, and now it had brought her to Algiers, she would not weaken in that trust. Common sense, in which one side of the girl's nature was not lacking, told her that this Arab might be deceiving her, that he might know no more of Ben-Halim than she herself had told him yesterday. But she felt that he had spoken the truth, and feelings were more to her than common sense. She would go to the house which Simaidin said was the house of his cousin— and if there she found reason to doubt him, she had faith that even then no evil would be allowed to touch her. At seven o'clock, Maeddine said, Lella Mbarka would send a carriage. It would then be twilight, and as most people were in their homes by that hour, nobody would be likely to see her leave the hotel. The shutters of the carriage would be closed, according to the custom of Arab ladies, and on entering the vehicle, Victoria would find a negress, a servant of Lella bent jellab This woman would dress her in a gandura and a hayek, while they were on their way to the house of Victoria's hostess, and on stepping out she would have the appearance of a lady of Algiers. Thus all trace of her would be lost, as one Arab carriage was exactly like another. Meanwhile there would be time to pack and write a letter which Victoria was determined to write. To satisfy Si Maidin, that she would not be indiscreet in any admission or allusion. She suggested translating for him every word she wrote into French or Arabic, but he refused this offer with dignity. She trusted him. He trusted her also. But he himself would post the letter, as an hour too late for it to be delivered while she was still in Algiers. It was arranged that she should carry only handbags, as it would be too conspicuous to load and unload boxes her large luggage, could be stored at the hotel until she returned, or sent, and, as Lella M'Barka intended to offer her an outfit suitable to a young Arab girl of noble birth, she need to take from the hotel only her toilet things. So it was that Victoria wrote to Stephen Knight, and was ready for the second stage of what seemed the one great adventure to which her whole life had been leading up. End of chapter 18 RECORDING BY CHRISTINE G. IN OSLO, NORWAY. THE 13TH OF JANUARY, 2012.